Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Lucky Star Show and Tell podcast, and I'm your host, Lisa Field, owner and director of Lucky Star Art Camp, a women's art and whole living sleepaway camp held annually on the banks of the Guadalupe River in Hunt, Texas. On today's podcast, I'll be talking to a new Lucky Star instructor, Carolina Rodriguez. Carolina is a Latina mother, artist, and doula. She was born in Venezuela and now lives in Austin, Texas. She's been creating jewelry since she was 10 years old and enjoys a number of other artistic outlets like photography, painting, crocheting, felting, and more. She started her business, Warao Clay, two years ago and since then has been creating bold statement earrings inspired by Mother Nature and her travels. She sets herself apart by her use of vibrant colors and special attention to detail. Welcome to the podcast, Carolina Rodriguez. Hello, Caro. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on the podcast. And thanks for signing up to be an instructor for Lucky Star for the first time. Yes. I'm so excited to have you. Me too. Me too. Oh my gosh. I just know that everyone is going to be so excited about your class, but we're not going to tell them about it yet. <laughs> okay. So give me the brief history of Carolina Rodriguez. Where did you grow up? So I was born in Venezuela in a small town called Barquisimeto. And it's funny because it was considered a small town, but it's pretty much the size of Austin. And I find Austin a huge city. Um, And my mom is an art teacher and a history teacher. And my dad was an engineer and a musician. So I grew up between art constantly, very well influenced by them and my mom works hand to hand with artists all around my country so every Sunday after church I would like go to several either art galleries museums or artists like workshops and yeah I really enjoy work with art in general so I started like taking painting classes and the first like big class I took I was I think 10 and he was a painter a very well famous painter which is hilarious because he's he's the dad of a guy that ended up being my theater teacher after oh. high school and i didn't oh, even know my mom oh you didn't like, know it at the time no my mom was like your theater teacher is the son of your paint your teacher when you were 10 and i was like oh my goodness so yeah um I grew up basically working with a lot of different medias just out of going to my mom's classes and going to visit different type of artists. Uh, I think it comes from my family. My great granddad also was very involved uh, into like helping painters around, you know, that when you work with art, you're usually not very good promoting your work. Right. Uh, yeah. So my great granddad used to do that. And then really? my mom- yeah, she. it was really funny because uh, being an artist back in the 80s and the 70s, like a lot of artists didn't have, you know, the means. Representation. Or to even leave. Like they would paint out of passion, but they wouldn't really sell their paintings. Oh, right. So my great-granddad used to like bring food to some painters and things like that to help them out. And they would like pay, them, pay him back with paintings and... Uh, poetry and things like that and we ended up like you know at the end of the day they ended up being very well-known artists after they die as many 
times it happens that they become famous after they after die. they die. Yeah. <laughs> so we ended up being like, oh my goodness, these paintings is now super, you know, super good and well known. And um, I don't know. I really value the fact that my mom um, was very involved in art, in art to the point that she wanted us to you know somehow take a type of class my dad always wanted us to learn an instrument so I have two siblings an older sister and a younger brother and we all play an instrument or work in with some type of art and yeah I I don't know since I was little the first time I started like making jewelry and selling jewelry I was 10. Wow. and after that, I started like cooking and then I started like selling brownies out of my mom's window in the mm-hmm. house, kitchen window. Was- what? Really? That's so awesome. That reminds me of how I used to sell vegetables. I used to take a wagon and pick vegetables from my grandma's garden. And then I would like load the wagon up, go to one of my friend's house who lived in a neighborhood, you know, because <laughs> I lived out in the country on this yeah. farm and ranch. And so... We would go (laughs) pulling the wagon around and selling vegetables from my Nana's garden. That is so cute. Door to door. (laughs) That's so cute. No, I literally like grab a piece of paper and wrote a menu and put it on my mom's door. And people will walk by and knock the the door the window and yeah. I'll walk out of the window. What do you want? (laughs) That is awesome. Yeah. I always like selling and making art and selling what I make. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I I also loved selling things. Like, and I still, like, if I go help at my kid's school for the book fair or something, I'm like, I want to use the register. I want to be on the register. (laughs) (laughs) Or I'll help at the concession stand. And I'm like, what can I get you? I'm so excited. All the other parents are like, I don't want to have to do this. But I'm like... I I'm think there. I'm excited about the product mainly, and if I yeah. love what I'm doing, I'm very good at selling. I'm not I that good at selling that. things that I'm not in love with. I, yeah. In fact, I think I'm pretty good at deterring people from things <laughs> I don't like. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Yeah. Even with my own pieces, if I'm not, you know, fully in love, you can tell I don't fully love it, and I don't really. Right off the bat, you're like, oh, yeah, you're probably not going to like this yeah. one, but. Yeah. I but actually, <laughs> selling online has taught has teach me a lot that we never know what people are gonna like. And many times, oh. I make something and I'm like, I don't like it that much. But let's put it on to see what happens. And he ends up being the best seller. That and week. there, yeah, there's always somebody out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that's that's really that's really cool. Yeah. So, okay, what instrument did you play? I play, I started, I grew up playing piano, but okay. I haven't played piano in like 15 years. And I play, today I play mostly ukulele and something called cuatro, that is like a big uh-huh. ukulele from Venezuela. Oh, cool. So it's like a little bigger than ukulele, has a different tone, uh, but it's very similar to the chords. So it's very fun to me sometimes, like try to play a song, they, I learn in cuatro, try to play in ukulele or vice versa. Yeah. And, yeah. You're going to have and, to bring your cuatro to camp. That would be, oh, that would be fun. Yeah. yeah jam with my, Mandy and everybody around the campfire. And my son is four and I got him a harmonica and he's oh. so cute. And he's like walking around the house playing the oh. harmonica and like taps his foot on the ground. Oh, like, yeah. 
love it. Yeah. I love it. I love those families who make sure that all the kids learn an instrument. I wanted to be that family and I play the guitar and I like, I still like, I, I feel like, okay, this is my son's, our, our youngest son's senior year. I've mm-hmm. got this last few months of a chance to teach him how to play the guitar. And yeah. then my grandmother gave me her piano. So I'm super excited to get it moved over to our house. But it's like such an undertaking to move a piano. Yeah. Oh my God. That like I've put it off for years and I'm like, my daughter's going to be too old to, you know. Yeah. Of course, she won't be too old to learn the piano ever. You can always learn. Yeah, you can always learn. But it, the younger, the better, right? With instruments. Totally. I just feel that uh, I personally had a hard time when they were like pushing it on me growing up. Yeah. And the more they push it on me, the more I refused to do it. Yeah. And the more I didn't like it. And it's funny <laughs> because my grandmother was a big, big, neater like she used to knit all the time and crochet all the time like I the image I have of my grandmother is sitting on a on a rocking chair knitting or crocheting and she would tell us every single day if possible you guys need to come and learn and my dad used to say go learn from your grandmother because she's gonna die and nobody knows how to do that and she's amazing doing it and we refuse my grandmother passed in 2010, and today I am the only one that crochets and knits. But just because I was like, what if I do it? And I put some YouTube video, and I learn, and now I'm like, I'm working like three different And you love markets, it. Right? I love it. I'm, <laughs> it's like whenever I'm at late at night that I'm like done with my day. It's like my med- meditation. Meditation for sure. Yeah. I like, I have, and it's in your blood five minutes. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I love it. And I think that with instruments was kind of the same thing. My dad was like, you guys need to learn how to play instruments. And I, I played piano and then I was like, I don't like it. And then I moved to the U S and I was going, you know, like leaving your country, living by yourself is pretty tough, oh, yeah. especially like the, the cultural change was very tough on me. I came from from Venezuela. I moved first to Kentucky mm-hmm. and I was in a tiny, tiny town of 10,000 people. So it was also dry county. Not that I drink. I'm not too much. <laughs> I drink sometimes. But it was like the shock of my life uh, with like no partying, nothing like that. And I was like, where am I? Kiro, I, I love you already. It was, I, I literally got depressed between the snow, then not being able to go anywhere with anybody. Like couldn't even like dr- drive a car. I didn't have a car to the point that I bought a bike. And I would go everywhere on my bike, even to parks and things like that, like far away from the town, just because I needed, you know, some type of other distraction. And (laughs) then is when I learned to play ukulele. I had a roommate that had a ukulele and I love the sound. And I, my parents also insist on us to learn how to play cuatro. And I didn't until I learned ukulele. After ukulele, I was like, I guess uh-huh. it's time to play cuatro now. And my uh-huh. dad got so excited and brought me a cuatro from Venezuela uh-huh. once they came to visit. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. 
How old were you when you moved from Venezuela to the U.S.? I was 24. 24. And what took you to Kentucky? Why Kentucky? So I um, I was in Venezuela in a very like weird place where I just broke an engagement. I just moved back to my parents' house. That is not fun after you have been living <laughs> oh, I've by been there. for like six years. <laughs> I've been there. And I like Venezuela is under a very hard dictatorship. And back then it was just being getting rougher. And uh, I applied for a scholarship. I was going through taking business administration, uh, my bachelor degree. I was doing it in Venezuela. And then I applied for a scholarship and I got the scholarship in this like random place in Kentucky. And I did it because I had people, I knew two people that were going there. And I was like, okay, if I'm moving to the United States, might as well do it to a place where I know somebody. Right. And even though I do know a lot of people and have, have family in big cities, it was way out of my budget. I couldn't afford living in Houston or in Dallas where I have family. Right. And I ended up going to Kentucky to learn English. And it was really funny because I thought I didn't know any English. And I thought I was coming to just stay there for three years of English. That's what a semester and a two, three semesters. I was planning on being there for a year and a half, just studying English and then figure out. And they did a test as soon as I got to Kentucky on like to see what's your level of English. Yeah. And it was in all the highest level. And I was like, well, how? Oh. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm like, no, you guys, <laughs> this is not true. And I ended up awesome. studying a semester of English. And then I was. And like, then you wow. were done. You had it down. <laughs> no, I want to stay. So I ended up applying, continuing the scholarship to finish my bachelor degree there. What did you get your bachelor's in? Business administration. In business administration. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I did business as a bachelor, and then I came my first summer living in the United States. I came to Austin. I have my dad's best friend lives here, and she has six kids. She's an incredible uh, producer, movie producer. So she has this amazing studio place. And she I grew up as calling her Tia Lily. She's like my second mom. Uh, so I had to convince her. And I fell in love with Austin the second I stepped in this town. I was oh, like, yeah. my parents lied to me. I'm from here. I'm from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome. I love this town so much and I thank god I have created a very strong community so every time I had like five days of a long weekend I would come to Austin weirdly enough tickets between Kentucky and Austin used to be very cheap now because really? that prices no yeah. yeah but they were like 200 dollars round trip so every time I could I would like save money and just come to Austin And as soon as I graduated, I started applying for jobs here and I moved here immediately. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I got to Austin in 2012. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if I told you this on the phone the other day, but I went to UT for college Uh and uh, also, well, small town girl moving to the big city. I was like... (laughs) Oh, this is so much concrete. Like, like, (laughs) and I was living in this high rise dorm. I mean, it was like a, it was a high rise. 
I mean, I had to get on an elevator and go up to my floor, you know, and it, it was also kind of a culture shock, but I loved it. I loved Austin. There's, 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 yeah, there's something about Mm -hmm. Austin that feels homey and, you know, it, it has a small town feel. Now I know that's changing these days. But it's always had this hometown, small town feel and like the culture, you know, and it's just a little funky, just the right amount of funky and cool. Plus, you get the big city. Yeah, there's so many young people and there's like there's so much for everybody. If you like like party a lot, there's a lot of party. If you like green outdoors, there's a lot of that, too. There's like there's so much. And honestly, everybody I have met here has been so amazing that I have been able to form like really strong friendships and relationships that are like, it's funny because right now that I'm like contemplating moving and working and moving to North Carolina, the thing, yeah, I love Austin. I'm like, I'm going to miss Austin. But to be honest, like my people, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to miss my friends so much. But thank God I do have a very strong, like that roommate that I learned ukulele from is the one that is taking me to North Carolina. (laughs) Okay. I was going to ask what's, what's taking you to North Carolina. So I, um, I decided just, I need a change. Austin is getting super expensive. I want to have land and to be able to, I've always dreamed to have a small farm and grow flowers and be, you know, be able to grow whatever I want to eat. Um, yeah. When I grew up, when I was growing up, my we lived in the city, but my dad had a farm. And every weekend I would go to the farm. Every summer I would go to the farm. Like my mom, he worked at the farm. So my mom was mostly by herself with the three of us. So mm-hmm. whenever I didn't have a school, I was the one that was like, I want to go to the farm. And I was in the farm by myself with my dad for months sometimes at the time. And that really, uh, I don't know, I really want that. I want to teach my child, you know, certain things that you don't learn any other way. <laughs> rooster. And- Cue the rooster. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, for, for everyone listening, I was telling Kira, I'm having to record outside today because of an internet situation in my office. And so it's chicken day. We're like out with the chickens. I'm on the porch. You know, it's super, super, actually super emotional to me that this is happening with your chickens too, because my dad passed a few, a couple months ago. Oh. And yeah, and they used to call him Papa Rooster, and my mom was Mama, Mama Hen, Mama Gagina. Oh, and I love that. Uh, yeah, I actually have a big tattoo of a rooster because of my dad. So he's like, really? this is how, yeah, this is having the roosters in the background. He's like, yeah, it was meant for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, okay. So, <laughs> so okay. when you got to Austin, you got a job. When did when did this whole jewelry making polymer clay thing start? So I um I got to Austin and I was working. Just so you know, my my life has been very colorful in areas of work. <laughs> 
So when I moved to Austin, I started working for a cheese company. That was my first job here. And I was from making cheese to selling the cheese in farmer's market to, I was a general manager of the company, but I also had to go to farmer's markets and sell and do all that. And from there, I moved forward to like, you know, I wanted something different. I got pregnant. I got married and then I got pregnant. And then uh, when I was pregnant and gave birth, my doula was like one of the most important people for me during my pregnancy and my labor. And after I had my child and I struggled very badly for the first six months with breastfeeding, mm-hmm. um, I told my husband, I want to be able to, to help mom. So I started getting certified as a doula and lactation consultant. And I was doing that for three years when the pandemic hit. Okay. And then after the pandemic hit and like everybody had to stay in their homes, um, I continued supporting moms online, but I wasn't allowed into birthing rooms or, you know, birthing centers right. anymore because it was very restricted, the amount of people. And... I started like, okay, I'm by myself in this tiny apartment with my kid and two dogs. And by then, my ex-husband was still traveling for work. And he used to leave for like three months at a time. So I I was just like out of like not going crazy in this tiny place. I started like making ears beating and I started felting and trying different medias. And then I was like, oh, I'm liking what I'm doing. What if I sell it? And then I opened an Instagram account and I started selling the earrings that I was, uh, I think that's called peyote bead. That is this like specific type of bead that is Uh like flat. And they take forever. Like I was able to make a pair of earrings a day, you know, between oh, wow. taking, care yeah. of the baby, taking care of the house and just one bit at a time. I was like, no, this is definitely not going to give me <laughs> any money. <laughs> so, so I was, I met another polymer clay maker called Vicky. Vicky, Vicky Glaze is her Instagram. She's amazing. She's from Venezuela too. And I met her because um, we have friends in common and I was looking to push uh, to help for help to push my business that I was crocheting names for kids and doing felting stuff. Mm-hmm. So I told her, what if I send you your name, the name of your business in crochet, like I'm doing this and you put it and tag me. And she was like, yeah, great. Let's do it. I sent her 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 gift. She posted. And then I was like, what is that material you use? And she was like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, it's polymer clay, but please don't do it. (laughs) Everybody's doing it. I was like, I understand everybody's doing it, but I'm not going to do the same that you are. I just need a material that is like easier for me to make more quantity. Make a large quantity. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, okay, but like, uh, everybody's doing this. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it just suddenly like blew up. And then um, I bought a few cubes of clay. Didn't know what I was buying. Didn't know what I was doing. My first earrings with clay were 
horrendous. <laughs> they were like not only horrendous, but they're like crumbly. Like I was following the instructions in the package, yeah. and you, that is a no if you want to make <laughs> earrings because that works great for like little dolls. But if you want something that is durable and flexible and it's not gonna break. There is a completely different method to to the to the magnets, you know, and it's not written on the package. Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> not. So I was like, okay, what do I do? I started experimenting, like baking at higher temperatures for more time, less time, all that jazz. And one day, I was I I had accumulated like twenty pair of earrings. And I was like, okay, these are decent enough. And like, I, I can stand behind them to like sell them. Mm-hmm. I feel comfortable about these to sell them. I'm not going to sell something that is breaking or it has bubbles, right. but these look great. So I'm going to sell these on an Instagram story. And I went online and I posted them and I sold them super quick. And like a few days after that, a blogger from, I think she's in Austin too. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But she... It's called Clay Insights. I think she hasn't posted in a while, but back then she was very active. Mm-hmm. And she made a like a little post of my photos and recommended my page. And it just skyrocketed with that. Oh, wow. I went from like, I don't know, 200 followers to like 10,000 followers in holy less than cow. a month. Yeah. That's like the holy grail. Yeah, it was crazy. And I started doing restocks and selling every week. And I went from working in a tiny uh, table by my window at three in the uh, until three in the morning because I would like be a mom yeah. all day. Yeah. And then <laughs> my son would go to sleep at around like eight, and then I would start to work at eight p.m. until like two, three in the morning. Yeah. And I did that for the per- the first like eight months. Less, four months mm-hmm. until my ex-husband was like, "This is too much. <laughs> like, <laughs> you need to you need to find your own place because you're not feeding in here. Like, you, we cannot eat. The table has been taking over. The dining table. Then I passed the table. I was like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna give you more more space when you're sleeping because the poor man was like lying sleeping, and I'm like." Like with the pasta roller and like using a resin. Thank God he wasn't allergic to resin, but I am. So I was like, I'm like, what? I was like, it was so funny, but I was in an enclosed space, you know, I wasn't doing it right because I just needed to do it. And I I needed to do what I had. And then I started selling more and more to the point that I was like, okay, I need a place. And I was uh, blessed with a friend. I have a cousin and her boyfriend. She wanted to start working with me. Mm-hmm. So she was the first person that I hired as a, a general assistant on, on the entire production. Mm-hmm. Then her boyfriend offered me uh, a space that he wasn't using as an office space. Oh, great. And he gave me a great deal for it. So that's what I started renting. And little by little, I kept moving more and more and it became more stable. And I ended up last year in January, I've been here now for a year and a half, renting an apartment across the pool from my house. So Mm -hmm. I live in an apartment complex and I live in a two bedroom apartment and I rented a one bedroom apartment as an office. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, so that way I can also work until late. So when my child goes to sleep, I turn the monitor on and go across and the you're pool. you're just right there. Yeah. That's so smart. Yeah, it's better. It's like more expensive than I would like, but I still, they gave me a very good deal. And it's so much easier for me than, you know, having to limit my hours because right now I have no help. I usually try to hire somebody but for the past like eight months, I've been by myself. I I had an amazing assistant that she ended up moving out of Austin. And mm-hmm. since then, I was like, let's see if I can, you know, manage it more myself. Yeah. And I, I'm enjoying it. It's a lot of work. I'm all the time, like working all day, every day. But I enjoy it a lot. And I feel like I'm very control freak when it comes to quality and to like the details of yeah. my stuff. So I don't know, it has given me a lot of peace, the fact that I'm the only one making everything. You're doing quality control yourself. Yeah. So what I do is I hire help here and there to do other tasks that I don't necessarily right. want to spend time on, like drilling the holes on the earring cards or yeah. stamping cards, that kind of things that yeah. are not making earrings. Cool. What is yeah. the name of your business? Warao Clay. So what does that Warao, mean? Mm-hmm. What I is a, is a word, it's a native word from my country. It's a um, native a group of indigenous people from the Amazons. They're uh, located in the Delta. And mm-hmm. we have some Warao, my family has some Warao on their blood. And since I was young and I went for the first time to the Delta to see, you know, like where mm-hmm. they live and learn from them they're characterized for using a lot of bold colors and big statement like their necklaces are like huge and thick beaded necklaces and they're gorgeous and I just fell in love with it my grandfather also had a horse that he named Warao and Mm. that word for me was just like stuck in me and when I decided to open the business, I knew already I was going to call it what I'll probably like before I knew what business yeah. that was going to be. That's really cool. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I, I, I love it when there's a meaning behind the name, you know, and so yeah, and in fact, I don't know if you've seen story. my logo that is just says what and it has everybody think it's marble. It's a black marble. Mm-hmm. But it's not really marble. That is the map of the river where the Warao uh, people are located. And I just really? like did a change of color and made it black and white. Very so it cool. looks like a map, black marble with like white veins. But those yeah. veins is the river. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to go look at it again. Yeah. Well, okay. Tell us about your class that you're going to be teaching at Lucky Star this year. I'm super excited. I've been like uh, thinking a lot about different things. And I think that because remember what we talk about the time of cooking the earrings, like to have a mm-hmm. very good quality of, of earrings and clay that is flexible and durable, you need to bake your pieces for at least an hour. Mm-hmm. So I've been like uh, preparing this super cool bundle of three different things that we're going to be doing. So one is going to be a design the people are going to choose what style and they're going to do the entire part of the process from prepping the clay, stretching it, cutting it, and all that. And while their pieces are baking, we're going to do a different kind of style of earring with pieces that I'm going to come with pre-baked. And they're going to be able to make and combine all the colors and pieces that they want. 
And that in that part, they're going to learn to do all the sanding and the drilling and the assembly. So when, when, the, when everybody finished making their pieces and we're baking them, while they're baking it, um, we're going to do all the drilling and the sanding of the pieces that I'm coming with pre-baked. Mm-hmm. And that's when they're going to learn those steps so they can apply that to the pieces after they're done baking. Oh, yeah. But we're also going to do some fun things with the scrap of clay because I'm very big into using all of it as much as possible. Clay is not the most like environmental friendly. Uh, polymer clay, sadly, is not the most environmental friendly uh, ingredient or material because it's mm-hmm. acrylic, it's a plastic. But uh, I think that it comes from how you use your uh, scraps and all the residue of it when it comes to the cutting, you know, after the clay. If When I make rainbows, after they bake, I cut the ends. So those little pieces of the end, I tend to chop them really tiny and then put them back into clay to oh, bring more yeah. color. And it's how we use our scrap. So I have several options for everybody to make either little tiny dishes or incense incense dishes, or we can also make this floral grid that I came up with this year that I'm absolutely obsessed. I don't know if you have seen it, but you know when people are making flower arrangements on like crystal bases that they use tape to make like a grid? I hate the tape look. So I grab my scraps. And I make a big circle the size of my... Um, the top of the vase. And then I poke holes. I make holes. And then I bake that. So whenever you're going to arrange oh. your flowers, you just put the piece of clay on top of your vase and arrange and you your have flowers a grid. in your holes. Oh, I love that. So you're so cool. smart. Yeah. And I, I wasn't even like that. I was excited about the idea, but I didn't know if the floral people were going to be excited. Yeah. And I called a Austin Flower Company. And it was really funny because I feel that they were like, oh, there, there she goes, the, the, the lady that says <laughs> social media. Because I called, I was like, hi, I have a social media. And I wanted to see if you guys wanted to collab. And they like almost rolled my <laughs> the eyes at me. And I was like, let me go there. I'll show you what I have. And the guy was like, okay, come see me. And uh, I went there and I just put my the grid on top of a vase they had. And I was like, this is what I made. And the guy was like, oh my God, this is so clever. This is such a good idea. I was like, thank you. I love that. Yeah. So and- yeah. It's a way to recycle. I mean, it's like a, I mean, th- those can be used again and again and again. Totally. You can use them all the time instead of spending the plastic of the tape on top of the grid and then throwing right. it away. And it's yeah. just your scraps. It's yeah, and also if they scraps. actually look pretty good. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because yeah, that's something like- that I also like try to avoid because I do flower arrangements. So oh, no. I don't even use the tape because I don't like, I mean, you know, you have to have it completely covered. And if it's not, it looks ugly. Yeah. So these ones that I make, eh, because you use a, a scrap clay, they can be many different colors. Mm. Eh, sometimes you can put like a border of one specific color if you want. So the ones that I have made, I have one red that it looks super cool. So And I made that one with just one long cylinder instead of a hole. 
Uh -huh. So I grab the, my base and I put that on the top and you can see part of the cylinder coming down, but you can put just one flower. Oh, how cool. On it. And it looks so cute. Yeah. So we're going to do that with our scraps. Either people can choose either if they want to do a dish or an incense dish or that, or they can also do um, a wall hanger. There's many options to do with the scraps because we're going to try to use as much of those clay pieces as possible. Awesome. Yeah. I think this class, I mean... I said it at the beginning. I'm going to say it again. I think everyone's going to be so excited about this class. I'm so excited too. Like, it's funny because I've been wanting to teach for so long and I have so many people telling me, hey, do you have online classes? Do you have online classes? And I keep thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, I want to do it. So I did a couple of um, gatherings in my studio where people came and like I taught them yeah. how to do stuff. And I enjoy it so much. And I feel that what excites me the most about a Lucky Star is the fact that I'm going to be able to be around people. And it's not just a screen where I'm going to record a video for people to learn. Right. From. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you'll be fully immersed in our community, which yeah. is, I'm like, I'm so excited for you to meet everyone and for everyone to meet me you. Too. You are going to be such an awesome new asset to everyone. I mean, just. I can just tell you just have that sparkle and that thank spirit. So People yeah. are going to love you. I think so, so much, Lisa. Carolina, where can people find you on social media? So in social media, I'm mostly present on my Instagram. That is Warao Clay and it's W-A-R-A-O Clay. And um, I like I'm very active around there. I'm also very active around Pinterest, but Pinterest people don't really interact that much. They just yeah. follow all your posts, but I love Pinterest. And I also have my Facebook page that is what I'll play as well. And on my website, like there's a lot of people that like to e send emails, the email that is on the Instagram or oh, yeah. the website reach me. And what's your yeah, website? My website is whatoutbrand.com. So it's okay. W-A-R-O brand.com. Like B-R-A-N-D? Yes. Okay. Because I wanted to leave it more open to not just clay. Yeah, in case you start making something well, else. Well, <laughs> you cut me there. Not only for <laughs> me to make, but I also like, like, there's a lot of stuff that I see around and I'm like, oh, my God, how is that not selling? How, how are they not selling this? And I want to sell it. So right now, um, my sister has a friend in Mexico that makes incredible candles. But oh, like, cool. there's some of the most beautiful candles I have seen. They're very simple. They're simple pillar candles, but they're two colors. And they are such a good quality of candles and beautiful colors. And I was like, let's sell some candles. So I'm bringing some candles. Awesome. And I, yeah, I had, I, I was, I used to do this like pop-up Warao online shop where I yeah. had an artist that I would invite. So I saw a bunch of like leather purses that a, a, a friend makes in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. We sold that. We sold some beaded belts that were gorgeous too, also from Venezuela. So I just wanted to leave it more open to not just clay. And also, Girl, you, case, you're like, a, I'm done with clay. You're a born sales lady. <laughs> you are like 
totally a born salesman. Is sure. I, there's things that I'm like, how is this so beautiful? And nobody knows about it. You know, like for me, it's like, it's more about you. Look at this, you know, <laughs> not so much about you know, buying this. It's like, look you know, at this beauty. What makes you such a great sales person is that your excitement is all over you. I mean, like you wear that excitement. You're like, and when you're excited about the product, yeah, it no would doubt. make me excited about. The yeah, product. that's that's true. I I've been in a few markets where that day I was personally like dealing with some stuff, and I was like very quiet and introvert. And that day, like, I didn't sell that well. <laughs> but, yeah. But the days that I'm like, oh my God, say hi to everybody, it felt <laughs> very well. And I really love uh, to advertise or like tell people where I'm going to be in markets because I love when people just come say hi. Even if it's like they're not mm-hmm. coming by anything, just come say hi. I want to meet people that I have been interacting with on social media, you know? Yeah. And it's funny because the last time I went to North Carolina, no, yeah. Pretty much the last time I went to North Carolina, I my friend, the one that taught me how to play ukulele, was uh-huh. she had to work until later than my flight was arriving. Uh-huh. So I just posted on Instagram and I was like, "Hey, ladies, to everybody in North Carolina, <laughs> I'm going this day to this day." And a friend that that also makes polymer earrings, she was like. Tell me what time you're arriving. I'll pick you up. I'll drop no you wherever. Yeah. And we <laughs> finally met in person. She picked me up at the airport. We went to have lunch together. It was awesome. That's the best thing ever. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that story. Well, thank you so much for being on today. The last question I ask every guest is, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know if you had this in Venezuela. Did y'all do show and tell at school where like you could bring something from home? It could be something you read. It could be something you made, anything. And you would get to stand in front of the class and tell everyone about it and show it to everybody. We didn't have that, but I I know about it because of my niece here. Your niece here. Well, if you had something to show and tell today, what would it be? Uh, oh my god! I'm gonna show, I'm gonna walk you around though. So I have like with artist, uh, my artist thing. Growing up, my mom bought us art only for birthday gift. Oh. Like she wouldn't even allow us to choose something else. It was more about like, really? what artist do you want to go to? What studio do you want to go to? And pick one piece. So really? I was able to bring three pieces back from my country. And uh-huh. they're in my bedroom and my child's room. But I kind of am doing the same still. So yeah. each birthday, I buy myself something that is art-related. Mm. And I, I have, for that. example, this piece that is from an artist in Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah, and this is the inspiration for the earrings that I make that are little houses. Oh, yeah. So this is like, for everyone listening, it's like a little sculpture... Yeah, that is like it. It's kind of like a modern Art Deco style little house. Yeah. yeah, it's gorgeous. And I have like this is another Instagram artist. Oh, very cool! So these are um, like ceramic sculptures. Yeah, all these that are, are wall hanging. I find around that I'm like, and this is another like precious thing. Oh yeah, that is a glass uh, artist called. He is called. 
the blobber, I think is the name. The blobber? Blobber, something like that. Yeah, like blobs. Yeah. And he makes those weird shapes with glass and he makes a specific like treatment on between the glass that creates that effect that looks almost like it's like iridescent. Yeah, but he's he gives me I don't I don't know if you're into any games. I, I used to play Zelda growing up a lot. <laughs> Zelda. <laughs> And it reminds me of the rupees. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, you have a rupee with me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What a cool thing your mom started. That's Yeah, and tradition. I do the same for my son. I love that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be thing. something big or really expensive. No. But it has so much meaning behind it, especially yeah. if you have them involved in the process of finding the artist and you learn about the artist yeah she still like works with a lot of art and she has what i consider today like the job of my dreams she teaches a she has this group of like 40 ladies they're 40 to 60 sometimes that she teaches art so if they are learning about leonardo da vinci for three months then they go to italy for two weeks Oh, wow. And then if they're learning about these other artists or about Egyptian art, then they go to Egypt for two weeks at the end of the class. Oh, yeah. My dream job, too. Right? (laughs) Wow. Your family's got it going on. Yeah. She loves traveling. We both love traveling. I think who doesn't? But Who doesn't, right? Yeah, who doesn't? And that's actually, that's what I did before earrings and becoming a mom. Uh, my ex-husband and I used to travel all around national parks making content because he works for National Geographic and Discovery Channel. What? So Yeah, he's an amazing uh, director of photography. And I went to, uh, to school for, for photography too. So he would do all the video part and I would do all the photography part. And oh, wow. We did a lot of traveling. I would travel for like three months and then come back to Austin for two months and leave again for four weeks. And then, and we went to like 18 national parks in two years. But we'd like stay in the national park, explore yeah. the national park, not just went through. And You're speaking my language. I love the yeah. national parks. I'm And obsessed. in fact, it's super funny because we had to stop traveling because I got pregnant. And my pregnancy was not high risk, but I was very sick the entire pregnancy. Uh, I was like just dizzy and just feeling horrible the entire pregnancy. Yeah. And uh, but I learned I was pregnant at the Grand Teton. Like oh. we were in the Yellowstone when I pass out, and oh they were gosh. like, "You need more water." And I was like, "There's no way." Like I. I'm a Texas, I'm from Texas. Like I, I'm I know the water thing. Water bottle everywhere. Yeah, same. You don't go anywhere without a water bottle. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not lack of hydration. Believe me, this is something else. And I was feeling very strange. And I went to nap. I told him I'm going to nap. And then I was, before taking the nap, I was like talking to my grandmother that I believe she's one of my spirit guides. And I was like, okay, grandma, tell me, show me what it is. Am I pregnant? I feel I'm pregnant. And then I went to sleep and my my dream was dream. all about baby animals. It was baby oh. birds, baby bears, baby fish. <laughs> and you had just been animals. in Yellowstone. <laughs> and I, 
I got up my nap and I went to look for my husband. I was like, I'm pregnant. Like, I don't need a pregnancy <laughs> test. I'm pregnant. And then uh, we went to Jackson and got a pregnancy test. And I was like, I'm not doing, I'm not taking the pregnancy test in a gas station. Let's go to the park. <laughs> and uh, that's what we did. We went to the Grand Teton, which is even more funny because the translation of Grand Teton in Spanish is basically big boobs. <laughs> Awesome. I know, I was like, and I'm really? going there for sure now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that story. Yeah, and I was so pregnant, and then I started getting very sick with the pregnancy, so we stopped traveling, and my oh. son was born, and we did a few travels after he was born, and then sadly, all the craziness with COVID started. But yeah. we have taken oh. him, in fact, we took him last year, uh, during summer, we took him to, he's obsessed with the planet, so we took him to Utah, and we told him that we were going to take him to Mars, and oh, yeah. he was, like, losing his mind in Arches National Park, and, oh, yeah. yeah, he loved that's all so that. That's so cool. Yeah, that's, that's so where cool. I do a lot of, like, cactuses and mm-hmm. plants and things like that, because I'm so inspired by Mother Nature. Oh, She's amazing for sure. Thank you so well, much. Caro, it's been so me. great. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And uh, I just can't wait for you to be a part of this community because I mean, you you're just you're gonna you're gonna love it and everyone's gonna love you too. Thank I know you. it. <laughs> I cannot wait to meet everybody. And even after I move to North Carolina, I will come back for it. Oh yeah, yeah. You're yeah. you're gonna be hooked. We're we're gonna yes, hook you in. Yes, I'm excited. <laughs> Well, thanks so much. Good to see you. Bye. Bye. Lucky Star is a women's art and whole living sleepaway camp that takes place each fall in the Texas Hill Country. For dates and more information about our upcoming camps, visit our website at www.luckystarartcamp.com or find us on Instagram at Lucky Star Art Camp.